Welcome back to That's Gotta Be Wrestling, the wrestling review podcast. Today we are doing a year in review for 2020 as our cats are uh, having their own wrestling match off to the side. So if you, <laughs> if you hear anything uh, fighting-wise, it's going to be our two cats, Buffy and Willow. But uh, I am your co-host, Tommy, joined as always by... Olivia. Yes, and we are, like I said, reviewing the year of wrestling of 2020. Well, not all wrestling, because... We didn't. We're not reviewing any New Japan or AEW stuff here. We're just sticking to the Ooh, WWE. Wait, what? Oh, do you have AEW? <laughs> I do. Okay, never mind. We'll, we'll, not to spoil anything. We covered but... one AEW show, yeah. so we'll... so that's the only thing that I'm gonna. Anything that we've reviewed in this year, right? That's what we're gonna include so today. <laughs> WWE, NXT, and one AEW show. Yeah. Which of course we'll review AEW going forward, but right. we stuck to the WWE this year. But Olivia, how how are you this morning? I am great it is christmas eve i am feeling the christmas spirit um and in the christmas spirit i'm ready to give you the greatest gift of all my opinions um so <laughs> even, i'm excited even though technically this will air a couple days after christmas, yeah exactly but, you it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> we're reviewing it on christmas we're recording on christmas eve because we thought we'd want to just spend the holidays not yeah. working very hard so we've got some categories to deal with we're going to do um male superstar of the year female superstar of the year I hate the word superstar, wrestler of the year. I don't know why I said superstar. Uh, best pay-per-view of the year. Um, worst pay-per-view of the year. Top three matches, top three worst matches. Best storyline, worst storyline. Best tag team, best newcomer. And a couple of things we want to see in 2021. As well as just, you know, talking about some other things that we liked, disliked, and were kind of mediocre on um, for the year of 2020. Which has been just a strange year for everyone um, wrestling, media, uh, normal life, um, especially like first responders and whatnot as well. This year has lasted, what did, what did Russell talk say? Five Earth years. So <laughs> it's been a yeah. long year. Like technically our anniversary, not technically, our anniversary is January 26th, which is the Royal Rumble, which seemed like forever ago. Forever ago. Yeah. And it was just the beginning of the year. So a lot of things have happened this year, but before we get into all these categories, Olivia, just as a brief thought, what do you think of 2020 in the year of professional wrestling? Just like... It's been an interesting <laughs> one because if you think about it, basically, well, so you have sort of your eras of wrestling that have sort of like tiny nuances to them, um, but it, essentially they have the same sort of structure. Um, you have the same sort of expectations, both as a performer and as a fan, uh, and just like the same structure in terms of, you know, you've got your crowd, you've got your performers, you've got your promos, and you've got your matches. And 2020, we saw the elimination of crowds altogether. Mm -hmm. um, and then we saw the introduction of cinematic matches. So it, they, it sort of changes the structure of professional wrestling um, a lot. And so that's like really exciting. And then of course you have your continuation of new, uh, you know, programs such as AEW, uh, which is really exciting. Um, you know, it's as a wrestling fan, you really haven't seen any sort of competition between programs since the Attitude Era, essentially. So twenty twenty has been an interesting year, I think, for wrestling. Definitely different than in years past, but I think I think overall it's like a pretty good thing. Yeah, I I like that you bring up the AEW aspect because while AEW is not directly competing with say raw or smackdown it's competing with nxt which it could be argued actually it can't be argued it's 100 percent true a or nxt is the best thing that wb has to offer oh totally so aew and nxt are going head to head and even though you're familiar through back cataloging and stuff of the monday night wars of the attitude era you didn't really live that 
So you get to see this kind of thing in person, the Wednesday Night Wars, and it's interesting for you to see it for the first time and then me to kind of remember what it was like back then and then watch it now because back then, WWE or WWF as it was known and WCW would really care about the ratings the most and care about storyline and what could we do to shock the audiences, which was great. I loved it. A lot of it doesn't hold up. A lot of it is still pretty damn entertaining. But this, AEW and NXT, are how do we get the audience invested with wrestling? Right. Because, it could again, it could be argued, NXT and AEW is probably the best wrestling Definitely. that we've ever had. I agree. And, yeah, so it's pretty, pretty awesome to yeah. see 25 to 20 years later. But anyway, let's get into our categories, shall we? Absolutely. So we have top three male wrestlers of the year. Um, we're going to start with... Um, Third place, and then you'll do yours, I'll do mine, and then we'll go second, first, so on and so forth. So, Olivia, who is your first... If you hear some typing, it's me typing her answers on my... Alrighty, so this probably... Individual performers were probably the hardest for me to pick. Um, And I really, really had to think about these, so... Wait, you're starting with third place, right? Yes. Okay, perfect. So, starting with third place, um, I have to say that my... Third place wrestler of the year has to go to Drew McIntyre. And my reasoning for that was that 2020 really wasn't the year uh, for a lot of wrestlers, but this was like his year and he definitely capitalized on that. Um, And he's definitely a wrestler that has worked so hard to earn his championship and he's totally at the top of his game. So um, for that, he gets third place for me. Okay. Um, I think it's best to, I should have said this before, that we weigh in on each other's choices unless that choice is somewhere further down the line. So I'm not going to say too much about Drew McIntyre because you've heard from me and him in a bit. But my third place is uh, Bray Wyatt. Oh, okay. I think okay. Uh, started off the year pretty pretty great with the Fiend character and then kind of got demolished by Goldberg. But didn't let that hinder him yeah, at definitely all. definitely recovered. He had the great cinematic match at WrestleMania with John Cena. Um, he won the title back from Braun Strowman in the middle of the year. And sure, he lost it a week later, but his character has been pretty great throughout the entire year it's been scary it's been funny it's been entertaining he had alexa bliss join him which was great and they had a great dynamic together and as you heard us talk about last week he got set on fire yeah so (laughs) what a way to end the year (laughs) yeah so we'll see what happens with the fiend going forward um it's gonna be really interesting because i hope you and i both like long-term storytelling i hope they're not like bray wyatt's back on raw on the first of the year like give him like six months to like nine months and like let See what happens, because that'll be really interesting. For sure. So Bray Wyatt is my third. Oh, okay, cool. Third Cool, cool, pick. cool. So Olivia, you're second? Alrighty, so in second place, I have Adam Cole. And I just have to put him in second place, because he is the leader of NXT. Um, I think he has, over the past couple years, basically, but especially this year, really carried the product um, and really has shown what NXT can offer. Um, and I don't think that he's ever had a bad match, at least not one that I've seen. So, um, I love him. (laughs) I agree. I love Adam Cole. It might surprise you to know I didn't pick a single NXT person on there. Wow. Okay. Wow. Um, so I'll talk a little about Adam Cole. You know, I love Adam Cole. He is, uh, just my, my darling. I love him so much. Um, (laughs) and he just had a great year. He transitioned, he was able to transition from like heel to face. Right. So well. Just so seamlessly. Seamlessly. Yeah. So good pick. Thank you. My number two, which I think is going to draw your ire, and this makes me very happy because I'd love to argue this with you, is the big dog, the head of the table, Roman Reigns. Um, He went from a pretty, I mean, he had a great 2019, you know, coming back from um, 
cancer treatment and being able to still wrestle and then wanting to take off parts of this year because we're in a pandemic right. and he's just like, I am super symptomatic. Like, why would I want to take part in that? And he came back and has easily been the most interesting, entertaining, and he's always been a hard worker. Even if I haven't liked a lot of the stuff he did in the middle of the year, he's always been a hard worker, but he has worked so hard to build this heel character. And I like to compare him to John Cena. So John Cena, there was this thing back in the mid-2000s, LOL Cena wins. Anytime you'd have a match, LOL Cena wins. Kind of the same with Roman Reigns, right? LOL Reigns wins. Yeah. But he changed the way he wins at the end of the year by needing help, by being deceiving, by being diabolical. Yeah. And he did something John Cena never did, and that's turning heel because everyone wanted to see that goody two-shoes John Cena turn heel, and he refused to do it. Roman Reigns was like, I'll do it, and it's been all for the better. Yeah. So Roman Reigns is my second place. Honestly, I'm not going to argue with you. I absolutely agree. I think that he is very much um, in that John Cena role. However, I think that 2020 was the year where WWE all of a sudden decided they didn't want to shove him down our throats anymore. And I think in turn, that makes it to where a lot of fans actually accept him for being really good in the ring. Nobody can deny that he um, is a fantastic, you know, not only leader in WWE, but he is a great performer just overall. Um, And I think that he's actually gotten into some really, really good storylines this year, which I think helped to bolster his uh, approval, I guess, with wrestling fans. So Mm -hmm. I totally agree. 2020 has been a great year for him. Yeah. Okay. And Olivia, uh, you're number one. Alrighty, so this one might surprise you, Um, but I just have to say that this person that I picked is someone who is globally well-known, talented, um, probably the best wrestler of this entire generation. Um, And so for that, my number one pick has to go to Kenny Omega, Mm. just because he is literally the best. I, I can't argue with him being the best. He is easily the best wrestler on the planet right now. Uh, sorry, Will Ospreay, but it goes to <laughs> I love that pick, and I would have probably picked him too. Well, do you have more reasoning? I'm sorry, I don't want. No, to I just him. literally that he. My reasoning is he is literally just the best. Right, another guy <laughs> who went from like super babyface to I'm an asshole. Dude, girl, right? So, yeah. Um, he's bringing back the cleaner thing that he had in New Japan. It's great. I would have probably put Kenny Omega on here if I would have had the foresight to be like, oh, I'm gonna pick AEW people. Yeah. But I didn't. I picked your number three, which is Drew McIntyre. Okay, yeah, that's actually a really great pick yeah. too. He's had. A great year, and he was supposed to have his huge ascension at WrestleMania, right? Like, this guy is finally, after many years, going to win the championship. And then, LOL, no one's in the crowd for it. And he somehow, you could have just written it off as like, oh, he's a champion when no one's around. Like Braun yeah. Strowman, like how we exactly. think of Braun Strowman. But he was entertaining each week. He was um, putting on best sh- like great shows each week. Each pay-per-view, he had pretty good matches. He made us like Bobby Lashley in a match. Yeah. He had a good match with Seth Rollins. <laughs> he had a great feud with Randy Orton. And he had a great match with Roman Reigns at Spyro yeah. Series. And I think for a guy who has had absolutely zero crowd interaction all year, except for the Royal Rumble, he is... He's had fantastic matches yeah, this all is, year. This, I could argue one of the best champions. Definitely. Of I the agree. past five years yeah. or so, so. Yeah, and to be able to carry... Uh, I think people really don't get fully grasp how hard it is to carry a championship and embody a champion when there's nobody to cheer you on. Right. <laughs> um, so I think he's done a fanta- fantastic job with that. Yes. Um, if I'm picking 
AEW wrestlers, Kenny Omega would be number one. Um, and you got to throw a little love in there for like John Boxley and Orange Cassidy as well. Because, man, Orange Cassidy had a year as well. Again, with no crowds around and he's like one of the most over dudes on the planet, which yeah. is pretty great. Watch AEW, guys. It's pretty amazing. Yes, please do. It is a great <laughs> product. And, you know, what I like about AEW, I think, the most is that it is constantly improving. Um, even from the product that we saw just a year ago, I think it is vastly improved in terms of production quality, um, in terms of storytelling, and really just in terms of how cohesive all the performers are in the ring with one another. They're right. super comfortable with each other now, and it definitely shows. Yeah. It's definitely way more fluid and way more entertaining to watch, for yeah, sure. I agree. You and I had a lot of fun going to that Dynamite show, but... Even as we're watching it, while the wrestling's good, you could be like, oh, man, like, this isn't, like, a great show. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Um, and they've really improved over the past year. Absolutely. So All right. We're moving on to our female wrestlers of the year. Um, Olivia being the sole female on this show. Um, I am very interested in your opinion. Yes. So, so I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm about, I'm about to, since we're about to get into this. So I picked all... NXT wrestlers for my top three women. I just think that this year, while they were very limited in the amounts in the amount of matches that they were given, I think overall the women in NXT definitely outperformed women on any other roster and any other program. Um, So for that, I had to pick all NXT women. But other than that, it was just really really hard to pick the order that I wanted to put these three in (laughs) because I thought that they were all equally as great. So in third place, can I spoil something for you real quick? Absolutely. While I do have a majority NXT women on my on my list, I did not pick Rhea Ripley. For I I, I'm gonna ruin it. I didn't either. Okay. I didn't either. It wasn't her year. She's great, but it wasn't her year. (laughs) So in third place, I have to give it to Dakota Kai. Um, She had one of my favorite matches of the year. And she is definitely a leader in tomorrow's wrestling. I think that if she were to continue in NXT, that she could possibly become basically like the female counterpart to Adam Cole in being just an absolute leader in the locker room um, and being able to carry the the women's roster. So it's a good good choice. She's been so much better since she came back from her injury. Totally, too. and I agree. Um, I didn't pick her. On my list, um, she is great. However, I do feel like she's been overshadowed a little bit by Raquel Gonzalez, who we weren't very impressed with at the beginning of the year, but has uh, kind of come into her own in the past two or three months or so. Yeah, but, I agree. Um, my number three, and um, I'm hoping she's on your list somewhere on here, is the, uh, oh God, what is her nickname? The Poison Pixie, Candice LeRae, my hometown girl of Anaheim, California. Uh, she has just turned it up a notch since Turning Hill. Her and her husband, Johnny Gargano, both. But I feel like she has been... While he's always entertaining and great, I expect that from him. Her, I did not expect this from. And I was super happy with the way she's handled storylines, handled... She's, man, a, like an asshole on the microphone. Oh, I love it. She is, awesome. she is so poisonous, yeah. no pun intended. And her wrestling has just gotten a lot better. Yeah. I do feel, while she may have probably... She should have probably beaten Io Shirai sometime this year. She hasn't. I feel like it's probably coming next year at some yeah. point. Um, every match she's had with the title on the line has been great, especially that NXT Halloween Havoc one that we watched where they had the the TLC match. Um, but yeah, Candice LeRae is getting my, my third pick. I love that you say all that because she's actually my uh, second place nice. pick. Um, and for all those same reasons, best heel turn I've seen on the women's roster. And of course, had a perfect match with Io at Halloween Havoc. So um, I totally agree. Yeah, Sec- my second place choice for sure. All right. Well, my number two, since you just mentioned her, is the current NXT Women's Champion, Io Shirai, (laughs) um, who I'm assuming is your number one. She is. She is. 
she she won the championship at in your house um, in a really good match. Granted, it made Rhea Ripley look like a chump this year, but um, yeah, she again was that kind of the place Candice is in now, where it's like her rise is going to come, and it did, and she has been a fantastic champion. She kind of looked like an idiot in that War Games match, but I'll let that slide. Hence, why she didn't take the number one spot. But yeah, I really enjoyed Io's work in this. I'll let you kind of take it. Yeah, from here, so though. she's my number one pick just because I feel like she's one of the strongest champions in NXT, um, and to be able to carry a championship for that for that long and have, you know, solid match after solid match after perfect match, um, I think says a lot about her, um, you know, creativity in the ring, um, and then also just you know, passion for the, you know, the program that she's in. So I think that for those reasons, she's my number one. Yeah, she's kind of insane too, which is yeah, great. Like to jump yeah, off she's, a, uh, she's awesome. a cage with a trash can <laughs> over your head. All right, my number one is Bailey, the oh, longest of course she is. SmackDown oh, of course she is. women's champion. She had an amazing year. And even in defeat with the, uh, by losing to Sasha Banks, I think Bailey has been... The most entertaining woman on the roster. She hasn't had the best matches. I feel like that would probably go to Io or Candice. But Bailey has always had good matches. She's always been incredibly entertaining. Even some of the weaker storylines, like with uh, Tamina Snuka out of nowhere, were overshadowed by her great storylines with Sasha Banks, of course. Um, the Golden Role Models were great together. And even her one with Lacey Evans was funny because she was pulling heel moves on a six-year-old girl. So... For that, I gotta give it to Bailey. She started the year as champion. She was a double champion through the majority of the year. She had a bomb ass Hell in a Cell match with Sasha Banks. So Bailey gets my number one. Um, again, another person who had a heel turn and just has run away with it. So gotta give it to my girl Bailey. All right. Which um, I'm gonna spoil this. Aside from another year farther down the line, I don't think Bailey will ever crack the top three. So. You can't, you can't, of course, me that I picked Bailey. I, had... I think it's mostly just because you're in love with her, but I'll, I'll, I'll let that slide. <laughs> Listen, that haircut is not doing anything for her. She looked way better with the long ponytail. Pamela, if you're hearing this, <laughs> queen, that, may I speak to the manager haircut, it's just not it. Are we, calling, it, Pamela, so are we calling Bailey by her, uh, her Christian name? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pamela Martinez. All right. Well, um, we're going to move on. Any, any, do you have any honorable mentions for these two categories, like male or females, that you would like to uh, just kind of give like a small rub to? Oh, yeah, totally. So um, I want to give a honorable mention. I don't really have one for the women, but um, for the men, I have to say um, Tyler Bate. Uh, I think he had a really, really good year. Yeah. Um, I didn't see a ton of NXT UK, but what I did see, I really, really loved. So for that, he gets he gets an honorable mention. Okay. Um, yeah. I have a few, a few more. Um, okay. Asuka almost made the list. Absolutely. She's had a great year. Yes. Um, oh, God. Who else? I thought Sasha Banks was another one. Had a very good year as okay. well. Um, and then for the men, I mean, it's hard not to put um, Seth Rollins later down the line on here. He he did pretty well. And Buddy Murphy kind of broke out of his shell. Yeah, he did. He was really yeah. entertaining. So, yeah. Those Already. are some honorable mentions. Yes. Right. We're moving on to our top three best pay-per-views of the year. Um, do you mind if I start? Go ahead. Okay. So my third place one um, was one we just covered, and I'm surprised it hit this hard, but that was uh, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs 2020, which was really entertaining from beginning to end. We did not really want to watch the show. I mean, we had to, of course. We're going to record it and review it, but 
I was like, oh, fuck, we have to watch TLC. Let's just get it over with. And it was exceeded every expectation. Um, Had a really good, had two really good TLC matches. They did go on a little long, as you mentioned, but they were they were pretty fun. I thought Sasha and Carmella was good. I thought the tag team match was the only weak part of it. And then, of course, we got to see Randy Orton set a man on fire and embalm him. So what more could you want from wrestling, really? Um, this was a fun pay-per-view, one I was surprised I put on here. Um, but yeah, TLC gets my third spot. Alrighty, so my third spot has to go to the NXT UK Blackpool 2. Oh, wow. Uh I thought that this was an awesome pay-per-view just because the refined technical skill can uh, rival any related or unrelated wrestling product, meaning it can rival, um, you know, NXT in the U.S., and it can also definitely rival the talent on AEW. Um, And then I think it just has that whole roster, both men and women, have some of the most underrated talent out there. Yes. Um, So this was an awesome pay-per-view. I remember uh, raving about this pay-per-view when we watched it. and when we third episode, right? Yeah, when we talked about it, I thought it was an awesome show. There was no single bad match on the card, so. Yes. Um, That was a very good one. We got that really cool ladder match, too, between the... um, Yeah. The... um, Four teams. It was eight mm-hmm. men. God, math is hard. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was a really good one. Good choice, babe. Thank you. My number two, I had to pull up the uh, card list on here because while I do have most of the matches, I want to go through all of them. My number two is NXT UK, or not NXT UK, NXT TakeOver Portland, which happened in February, I believe, of the year when we still had crowds. Is this also your number two? This is also my number two, okay, yes. Okay, <laughs> excellent. So let me just go through this, this um, card real quick. Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic, amazing match. Uh, street fight between Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox, amazing match. Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano, amazing match. Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair, amazing match. The Broser Waits versus the Undisputed Era, amazing match. And Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa, amazing match. This show was fucking cracking from beginning to end. The weakest match, you could argue, was probably Ripley and Bianca Belair. And I believe we still both gave that like a four out of five. Yeah. So, like... This whole show was, great was show. fantastic. You got the great lines, how much fish could Bobby Fish fry? Bobby could Fish could fry fish. Uh, you had a heel turn by Johnny Gargano. You had Charlotte accepting Rhea Ripley's um, WrestleMania challenge. And you had Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic just beating the absolute shit out of each other. This was a fantastic pay-per-view. It was probably the most hyped NXT crowd I've seen in a minute, and they're always pretty hyped. But now I want to hear your thoughts on why you picked this. Yeah, no, I I agree with all your points. I think that this pay-per-view was particularly strong, not only because it had really, really great matches, um, and then, of course, just the talent itself, you know, obviously speaks for itself. But then most importantly, I felt like there were a lot of points of storyline progression on this pay-per-view, mm-hmm. um, which really then moves the product forward and makes for, like, a really, really strong show. Um, so, yeah, I totally agree for all those reasons. It's definitely my number two. Yeah, I rewatched this on just a day off the other day, and I was like, holy shit, this show was so good. So good. All right, my number one, and I'm kind of interested to see if this is your number one. This one might surprise you. Are you ready? Do you have mm-hmm. a guess? No, I have no guesses. Okay. My number one is another show that took place at the beginning of the year with a crowd, and that was Worlds Collide okay. 2020, where okay. it was NXT versus NXT UK. We got so much great wrestling on this show. Totally. Um, the opener between Finn Balor and Ilya Dragunov was great. There was a Fatal 4-Way match for the Cruiserweight Championship that was awesome. Uh, DIY versus Mustache Mountain. Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm was probably like the weakest one on this one again, but still pretty decent. And then you had the Undisputed Era and Imperium. Which and was again, amazing. Yes, amazing match. Amazing match. And you got 
crowds from America and crowds from the UK, both in there at the same time, both of these brands in there at the same time, and it was awesome. Um, I'm pretty sure the UK won this as well, so we didn't yeah. even get, like, you know, NXT wasn't the winner. They're not like America! <laughs> so, yeah, and we also, at this show... Got the great little moment with uh, the broser weights in the crowd and Matt Riddle making his uh, pot jokes. And then <laughs> the hilarious line where he's just like, Pete's serious. That's a serious It's like those two work so well together. So totally. I, I really liked this show a lot. But Olivia, what is your number one? Okay, so I'm going to kind of cheat a little bit just because this technically isn't a pay-per-view. But it was my favorite show out of the whole year. So, my number one has to go to NXT Halloween Havoc. Uh, Even though it technically wasn't a pay-per-view, I thought it was one of the best shows of the year. Um, From the set to, you know, the uh, special matches that they had. Spin the wheel, make a deal. Yeah, exactly. I thought that that was awesome. (laughs) I thought um, the costumes were awesome. I thought everyone showed out with their ring attire. And even just, it just seemed as though... You know, I, I think I like this show the most because in a year full of just garbage and shit and awfulness that I think that they, you know, took this idea of Halloween Havoc, revived it, and was like, you know what, let's just have fun with this. And you can tell that every single match that was on that show, everyone just was just super chill and just had so much fun. And I think it's nice to kind of break away from what normally is a very you know, serious, sort of melodramatic type of product mm-hmm. um, where everyone kind of just shows out and has fun. Um, and that's why I loved it the most. Yeah, and we got uh, that really cracking TLC match between the ladies, yes. as I mentioned Yes, earlier, that was awesome. Which I feel like I might be hearing on your list a little later, but we'll get there. Um, all right, so we didn't do a top three worst pay-per-views because, like, God, who wants to remember those? But we did pick a worst. Yes. Um, so my worst is Super Showdown. Um, which took place in Riyadh, I believe, yes. and we tore that show apart. I think there was like a good match on that entire card. Hardly. Um, but that's also my worst pay-per-view <laughs> of the year, um, just because there were multiple matches on that card that I gave a zero out of five. The the two world title matches, yes. I believe, right? Bray yes. Wyatt got demolished by Goldberg, Ricochet got demolished yeah. by Brock Lesnar. Yeah. I think the best match on that card was Mansoor and Dolph Ziggler, which was kind of hilarious. A random like, one, yeah. yeah. Because you had that stupid... <laughs> Um, trophy match where AJ Styles thought he won and then The Undertaker came out of nowhere and had a nine-year entrance in fucking <laughs> Saudi Arabia. I don't even Arabia. think he even really wrestled. No, he just chokes. He, yeah. he did one choke slam and AJ Styles went down with one choke slam. Yeah, like, and then the on. crowd just went crazy for that. Yeah. Was, yeah. Um, <laughs> we had the whole, oh, the whole, the women can wrestle, but we don't really respect women anyway, so. Yeah, I also remember on when we discussed that on the podcast, we went into like a real deep conversation um, just about like the international relations aspect of it and um, basically how, you know, capitalism plays into some pretty poor choices for the company itself. <laughs> so um, I think that that was that. I remember that episode was pretty intense. I was pretty fired up after that. Yeah, that was a bad <laughs> show. I want to talk a little bit more about it because I'm going to go to my notes and look at the card real quick. So do you want to keep talking about Super Showdown? Um, yeah. I just, I don't know, it was just, I I felt like it was one of those pay-per-views where each match was like two minutes long, but it seemed like that pay-per-view went on forever. I'm pretty sure it was like over three hours for whatever fucking reason. It was, it was like three and a half hours. And half of that was Undertaker's entrance. Right. Okay, so I'm I'm looking at the notes right now. I gave nothing higher than a 2.5 except 
for the um, SmackDown Tag Team Championships between the News Day, the News Day, the New Day, and Miz and Morrison, which yeah. I remember us talking that highly was like, about. Yeah, that was the only good match. Yeah, but other than that, fuck that show. Um, you know, technically they couldn't do any more Saudi shows, and I think they were supposed to do t- at least one more this year. But yeah. you know, no travel, so at least we got spared that. Um, no more Goldberg coming out of nowhere, but he might be back for 2021. Who's totally excited for that? No one. All right. <laughs> uh, is Goldberg the worst superstar of the year? Is, are we just going with that? Honestly? Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree. Yeah. We didn't have that category, <laughs> but all right, moving on. Um, we'll do matches at the end. Like I said, mm-hmm. um, those are, yeah. those are going to be the most interesting, but uh, we're going to move on. This is where we stop our top three. We're just going to pick one, but we, I would love to hear some honorable mentions if you got them too. But Olivia, what is... Your favorite or best storyline of the year. Okay, so this, I picked this one, even though it technically started in 2019, I get um, really excited for long-term storytelling. Definitely a sucker for that. Um, So you mentioned this earlier, but uh, my favorite, you know, storyline of 2020 has to just be anything to do with The Fiend. Um, I thought that this was his year and this was my favorite because it was super spooky without being stupid, um, which WWE has the tendency to do. Um, and is utilized in a way that brings up, brings in many people on the roster. I felt like there was a huge incorporation of, and a huge rotation of people that weren't normally used or really weren't normally used in this type of storyline, um, that really got utilized. So I thought that this was great. Um, and while some of the matches were like a hit or a miss, um, I love the fact that he got set on fire at TLC and it was kind of a really, really perfect and symbolic way to end the year of 2020. Right. <laughs> um, so for those reasons, I, really anything to do with the fame. Gotta go with that. Okay, perfect. Um, my best storyline, and again, you're going to probably be upset about this one, but was the head of the table storyline between Roman Reigns and Jey Uso, also kind of including Jimmy Uso in that. Um, wow. That was just... Such a bold thing to do because a lot of families have family drama similar to this. A lot of families have felt pain and sadness through kind of, in a way, an abusive person in a family like this. And it played out on television. And while it was entertaining, it wasn't like, oh my God, this is so much fun entertaining. It was like, oh wow, that's really depressing and hard to watch. But so intriguing. Like a drama. Like Like we always say wrestling, WWE especially, is like a, you know... Soap opera and tights. And Basically. <laughs> this was kind of that. And it made Roman Reigns incredibly interesting. It boosted Jey Uso. Like, yeah. Usos are great. They're an amazing tag team. But just a great, um, like, storyline for both men. Paul Heyman was involved. But Paul Heyman wasn't doing what he does with Brock Lesnar. He's not yeah. the voice. Because Roman Reigns can talk on the microphone. So Paul Heyman's just there to kind of give advice and not be the normal Paul Heyman. Which is as much as I love hearing Paul Heyman talk, he can get really annoying. Yeah, it gets really tiring. Yeah. Oh, but I, I totally agree. And really just for the one point that you made about the utilization of the Usos, I think that while, I mean, they've been in WWE for quite a while now and have had some success uh, as a really cohesive tag team. And I really love them as a tag team. Um, I thought that this was a really inventive way to could separate them as a team but really not separating them right. and incorporating both of them in a storyline without making it about both of them equally um because like you said it really involves like jay uso for the most part and like a little bit of jimmy but well, jimmy, jimmy's right? a little hurt yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so i thought that this was a really inventive way to um be able to give one of them the spotlight uh without completely destroying them as a tag team altogether 
so I, I think just simply for that reason, I, I, I agree with you. I think it was a really great storyline. Okay. Yeah. Do you have, I know it's kind of on the spot, so if you don't have any, um, feel free to say you don't, but do you have any like honorable mention, like good storylines that come to mind from this year? Um, I really don't. I, I mean, the one other one that I could think of was that I loved the, uh, obviously this happened later in the year, but I really loved the storyline between Adam Cole and Pat McAfee. That's I thought that one. that was just really sort of inventive. Um, I love the incorporation of other, you know, sort of out media outlets. Um, for example, they carried the storyline to, you know, Pat McAfee's podcast. So I thought that, that was just kind of, um, a really interesting take, a really, a really cool way to kind of branch out. And, um, I think it's funny because at work, um, my boss mostly plays ESPN. And so I actually got to see a lot of that play out on ESPN and just their whole angle on it and the way that they reported, um, this storyline happening between Adam Cole and Pat McAfee. I thought that that was just really fun. Stephen A. Smith, um, of course, has known Pat McAfee <laughs> since he was like yeah. two years old. <laughs> since he was in diapers. <laughs> Um, and so I just thought that that in itself was just really cool to see because as a wrestling fan, you normally don't get to see other media outlets really talk about wrestling extensively or, uh, really discuss the storylines sort of semi-seriously. And so for that, I thought that that was pretty great and entertaining and was a great way to pull in like other media outlets. Yeah. Um, that's a really good one actually. Um, speaking of ESPN, is it Charlie or Kayla that's on ESPN? Charlie. Okay. Of course. Cause they look exactly alike. So um, I have a few honorable mentions that I just, I'm not going to go into huge detail. That's one of them, Pat McAfee and Adam Cole. Um, I love the dissension of Alexa Bliss and kind of her madness. Otis and Mandy Rose was a really fun one at the beginning of the year, as well as the Gargano way. I thought that was pretty good on NXT as well. So those are storylines I'm picking. If I was going to pick an AEW one, it would be um, the Orange Cassidy, Chris Jericho. Yes. Um, Orange <laughs> Mimosa feud that they had because that was just fantastic. <laughs> All right, so Olivia, I need to know the worst storyline of the year for you. You honestly want to know? I need to know. This is kind of a cop-out, so call <laughs> me out if it is. Literally anything involving Brock Lesnar and Goldberg, hands down, worst. They like, nothing gets worse than they that. They haven't been there since March. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it was so impressionable, impressionably bad that it set up the rest of the year to be pretty okay. It's because true. anything that doesn't involve them is a step up from anything that does involve them. So um, I, I hate to spoil it, but they they those two may or may not be involved in some of my least favorite matches of the year. So um, definitely anything involving them. But I would love to hear what your worst match or your worst storyline is. Before I get to mine, that's a it's a good pick <laughs> just because while we eagerly await people getting the vaccine and being able to safely go to shows like this again. Once crowds are back, that means Brock Lesnar's back, which is, like, kind of a negative. So, yeah. nothing against to do personally. Just fucking get out of the ring, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, my worst storyline um, is something that technically started in 2019. Okay. But the ending of it carried over to this year. Yes. And that was the uh, love square between Bobby Lashley, uh, Lana, Rusev, and then Lib Morgan I was inserted. I almost picked that. <laughs> I almost picked that one. Um, and here's the funny thing about that is if... Rusev was somehow amazing in this storyline. Like, he was hilarious. He was funny. Yeah. Um, but goddamn, the Lash Lashley-Lana stuff was just atrocious. And you know what's crazy, too, is I'm pretty sure, because as we know now, um, at the being at the end of the year, um, that Rusev is now in AEW. And so I think that WWE has this weird tendency to 
I don't know. Real if you end on bad terms with the company, they're gonna make sure that everyone publicly knows that you ended on bad terms. And I think that by making a story, trying to make a storyline where he's set up as a complete cuck is just not cool. Um, but I think that it's really funny that instead of, you know, being beaten down by it, he kind of took it in stride and mm-hmm. just made like a whole comedy well, show. Yeah, out he's of like, it, I'm on my way out. Great. So. Yeah. He kind of went into bucket <laughs> mode and just was so entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> and Lana's obviously um, recuperated from yeah. this. Um, Lashley's had a pretty damn good yeah. interview. Liv Morgan's doing okay, but um, God, Rusev was the only thing. That was entertaining to watch on that. But the whole Lana and Lashley being in love thing was just bullshit. And this is the second time they've done this to Rusev and Lana. Because in 2015, there was this whole thing where he just like broke up with her and started dating Summer Rae. And then Dolph Ziggler was like, I love Lana. And they did that. Do you even remember that? Oh, God, no. See, when it's like that bad, I tend to push it out of my brain. Good. Especially anything involving Summer Rae. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then they had to nix that storyline because Lana on her Instagram was so happy that she got proposed to she was like oh, i'm getting married and then everyone was pissed about her like how could you ruin a storyline oh, bitch kayfabe God. has been dead since the 90s so like, dead it's like Shut get up. over it anyway um so that goes to the worst storyline of the year Perfect. i don't really have any honorable mentions because um there hasn't been really any terrible storylines this year just except for that one which luckily petered out at the beginning of the year yeah. so that was done by February, maybe? I think so. so. Yeah. All right. We're moving on. Well, actually, before we move on, I want to take a small break and thank our sponsors. No. Um, <laughs> I wish. Talk about, maybe someday. <laughs> talk, right, talk about a few wrestlers um, that we lost this year because uh, that's just what happens, unfortunately. Especially in the world of wrestling, it seems like too many die. But uh, I'm just going to go through this list real quick. Um, I put them in alphabetical order, so... <laughs> Just bear with me on this. Uh, the first one I put on here is Alex Trebek. And you might be thinking, Alex Trebek? Why Alex Trebek? Well, um, aside from being like the greatest game show host of all time, he was uh, the host, technically, of WrestleMania Seven back in 1991. Which, you know, if, if you're going to appear at WrestleMania and be a big part of it, I'm going to count you. So yeah. rest in peace, Alex Trebek, Absolutely. of course. Uh, Bar- Bob Armstrong, um, who was the father of Road Dog Jesse James and referee Scott Armstrong, known for his bullet persona back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, uh, Howard Finkel, the greatest ring announcer of all time. I will not hear anything against it. We lost him this year, and we got his voiceover at Backlash for the greatest wrestling match ever thing, which was fun. Uh, We got Kamala, who was the Uganda Giant, big heel in the 80s and 90s. Uh, La Parca, who died um, far too young, I believe of brain damage, uh, respected Mexican luchador. And then going on to another celebrity who appeared at WrestleMania, um, singer Little Richard was at WrestleMania 10. Uh, Pat Patterson, we talked about him a little bit a few weeks ago, first Intercontinental Champion. Um, Regis Philbin, again, great television host. He was at WrestleMania 8, I believe. No, 7. He was at WrestleMania 7 as well. Um, Road Warrior Animal, one half of arguably the greatest tag team of all time. Rocky Johnson, who is the Rock's dad. I mean, what more do you need to say? Um, Shad Gaspard, a uh, member of Crime Time, who died um, saving his son um, in the ocean, which is just a hero in my book. Um, we got Supreme, who is, uh, many WWE fans would not know Supreme, but he was the king of the death match, which I know are matches that you are not too fond of. <laughs> but this dude was uh, insane, let me just say. Um, 
Tommy Tiny Lister, who was the uh, guy who played Zeus in the No Holds Barred movie. He had a SummerSlam match with Hulk Hogan, and there's also in a bunch of other movies that I talked about when we spoke about him a few weeks ago. Tracy Smothers, uh, old ECW and NWA wrestler. And the one I really wanted to touch on is Hana Kamara, who was a Japanese wrestler. She died at the age of 22 via suicide because she was bullied online for what? I think it was body shaming, which doesn't make sense because I don't get, but my condolences, our condolences to her, which is just incredibly depressing because apparently she was just the sweetest person, had a huge upside. I mean, she was only 22 and could have really gone places, but unfortunately the online wrestling community that we are of course a part of, but just don't be a fucking, you can critique things. Don't fucking ruin someone's life, which is what you did here. Yeah, so big, absolutely. big rest in peace. And I think I think that's an important point to touch on. You know, I it, it's a it sucks just because you know I can I can kind of pseudo relate to that in the sense that as someone who's been a female wrestling fan my entire life, um, you definitely have your fair share of. Um, there's kind of two groups. So there's, you know, men who make fun of you because they think it's stupid and, oh, it's so fake and why would you watch that? Right. And they're not actually strong and da 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 da. And then you also have, on the other hand, a very passionate group of wrestling fans um, that are mostly men uh, that definitely sort of are, are the basically like the name three songs kind of guys where it's like oh well if you don't know this wrestler from the 70s and like his blood type and like who he's related to like you're not a real wrestling fan and it tends to be those guys who just take things too far and think that their opinion is needed Uh um everywhere when it's not um you know sometimes the best thing that you can say is nothing at all and unfortunately it's people like that who you know, really push some of these performers to, you know, quit social media, to, um, you know, maybe even, like, switch programs um, because they either can't take, you know, the amount of attention that they're getting um, or the type of attention that they're getting. And it's just, it's really unfortunate because, you know, male or female, these performers not only put themselves out there as performers, but, I mean, you have to think about it. Like, you know, they're not just, like, regular actors who can choose you know, what type of roles they go into or what type of storylines that they can go into. And so essentially, when you're a wrestler, you're not only ha- you not only have to be physically at the top of your game, but then you also have to be game to be in any sort of storyline and to wear anything and to do anything because that's what you're told to do. That's your job. Right. And, you know, part of today's day and age in wrestling is having to be active on social media and having to interact with those people who may not be so nice and so you know I think that 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 whole situation is just a really important lesson that you know (laughs) just because you can type something out on a keyboard doesn't mean that you need to right and just because you have opinions doesn't mean you need to share them with everybody right um because it can have a really detrimental effect to people who you don't think that read your comments but they do right they really do and like we have fun on this show we talk a lot of like you know, oh, we don't like Brock Lesnar and Bo Goldberg, but we're not, we do not want Brock Lesnar and Bo Goldberg to kill yeah, themselves exactly. ever. Yeah. And one, they could eat us alive for breakfast. But two, this is just a critique thing of them, but to like, when someone's like already have going through depression and anxiety and then you're just making their life worse and then this poor girl kill herself, it's just yeah. miserable. Um, my hope is, is that those people who are the type that go out there and, 
you know, relentlessly comment awful things about, you know, their performances or their bodies or, you know, what have you. I hope genuinely, if anybody who is like that is listening to this, please go get some help. Please go to therapy because you have a lot of unresolved issues that you need to be, you need to have worked out. Um, before you sort of deflect that and project that onto other people. Right. So. And um, on that note, the one of the men responsible for this was arrested on December 15th of this year. Oh, so wow. just okay. two weeks ago or so um, for this type of bullying stuff. Um, so that's great. Um, hopefully yeah. we get some good justice there. She died in May, so it took them a while to get to it. But of course there has to be an investigation and whatnot. Um, something I want to talk about briefly on her before... We'll move on. Um, into, uh, Io Shirai and Maronalo paid tribute to her. Um, Sasha Banks wore ring gear on one episode of SmackDown that was in tribute to her. Uh, Dakota Kai sported uh, pink hair on In Your House that was in tribute to her. I'm just reading all this. I didn't pick up on this as we yeah. watched these things. but um, And then you have uh, Kenny Omega wore a Hanakamura shirt on an episode of Dynamite, which would have actually been her 23rd birthday, it says here, on September 3rd. So that's... Um, that's pretty great as well. A lot of people knew her. Big names that we're mentioning here. Sasha Banks, Dakota Kai, Kenny Omega, Io Shirai, of course. And then at uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, the NWA, Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, all paid tribute to her and gave condolences either through social media or on their show. Um, AEW's Double or Nothing pay-per-view was in tribute to her. And, of course, she had Gaspard, who died that same week. But, as you notice, aside from, like... The wrestlers doing it, you don't hear anything from the main WWE offices. Now, I have never seen this person wrestle, unfortunately. I, I mean, I, could, I can go and watch matches, of course, now. But, like, I'd never seen her wrestle and whatnot. Um, but you'd think with these people in their company doing it and a bunch of other wrestling promotions doing it, you would just throw out some condolences. But what do you feel about the WWE not really um, throwing out I mean... anything while these other companies have? I'm not surprised uh, when it doesn't, unfortunately, when it doesn't pertain to them and they have, they don't have any reason uh, or any, any, really anything to gain or to capitalize from it. Um, unfortunately, they're not going to really pay attention to something like that. Right. So. And now that I think about it, and I could be wrong, so if I am, just, um, you know, let me know. But I don't think they did anything for Shad Gaspard either, who was a part of their company yeah. and part of a very entertaining tactic yeah. by the way but and i think that this is kind of an important topic just because um you know a few of those people on the list died probably well before their time and i think it has a lot to do with um just really the beating that their body takes in the ring over the years mm-hmm. um really with head injuries specifically and it is something that not i mean wwe's not alone in this the nfl does this too um, where somebody who was a part of their company passes way before their time, uh, I think that they have a really, really hard time with uh, choosing whether or not to uh, speak on it because if they speak on it, they are partially recognizing um, the responsibility that their company has for um, these early passings. Right. So. Which is something they don't talk about with Chris Benoit ever <laughs> yeah. anymore. So. Um, the last thing I'll say on this, which I know I already said, um, <laughs> is you bring up the whole social media thing, cyberbullying, and I'd say in the 70s and 80s and 90s especially, we had a lot of wrestlers um, suffer from CTE, brain damage, um, they of course had pill addictions, alcohol addictions because of their pain they're in, which was the leading cause of wrestlers of, I'd say, 
the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Whereas now, um, I don't think it's the leading cause, and God, I hope not, but the younger generation of wrestlers are going to have to deal with social media, which is the pill addiction and the CTE um, damage of today, essentially. Yeah. Like, it's a dangerous thing, and which I hope it really doesn't continue. Which is really unfortunate, because, you know, you have wrestlers of years past who are there to be able to give a lot of advice and it's unfortunate because while they could definitely give a bunch of advice on how to avoid those addictions on how to protect themselves in the ring there's really no you know guide to on, on how to protect yourself from the internet right. and you know because that's really, not going on right? yeah because there's really no escape from um all those opinions all the time mm-hmm. every single day 24 hours and so yeah, that that's really unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, it's it's something I thought of as I added her to the list. I was just like, God, I hope this doesn't continue. <laughs> yeah, I don't want I don't want this to be a trend. Yeah, we sure. hear we hear someone like um, Tiny Lister died. and He was in his mid fifties, which is too damn early. And then you yeah, hear a twenty two year old woman, like you know, yeah, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> it's awful. Anyway, moving on to brighter things. Rest in peace to all those people again. Your contribution to the wrestling world, whether it was small or massive, will not be forgotten. Obviously, tributes all around the world from people more important than us. But moving on to the rest of our list and whatnot. Olivia, we're moving to the best tag team yes. of the year. And I think you and I probably have the same one on this, but Oh, interesting. We may or may not. So my best tag team has to go to the Street Profits. We have the same one. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, just for reasons being that they made a se- seamless transition to the main card. Um, and of course, now they're fan favorites. And if they continue to climb in the company, I really think that they could rival the popularity of the New Day. And I just want to take a moment to say, how cool is it that in this year of 2020, not that we've not had uh, black tag teams in the past, but to have, you know, these black men be the face of your company and just absolutely exude black excellence Mm -hmm. um, is just kind of amazing and just makes me really happy. Um, I think that I'm not alone in saying that, you know, not only WWE, but wrestling programs everywhere, um, their inclusion of other races and genders is very limited, especially when you go back further into wrestling's past. Um, (laughs) I think it's really cool that um, both of the um, really super popular tag teams on one of the biggest wrestling programs in the world um, we're both black, so that's that's really awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, not only I picked the Street Profits as well, for the exact reasons you said, so I'm not going to even go for that, but what you mentioned about like the inclusion of other races, um, because they're not really known for that either. WWE, yeah. even as short, like as recent as probably 10 years ago, they were like, we got one black guy on the card, yeah. so that's good. And it's exactly. like, it's really, uh, we got Kofi Kingston, he's yeah. black, and then one's like, yeah, but you it's know, not there's enough. <laughs> more talented American people out there. And yeah. you've had people break down the doors like, Booker T, Ron Simmons, The Rock, of course. Um, but yeah, now especially we're getting a lot of African-American and now Latino people in there as well. A lot of Japanese uh, people as well. So it's a nice... Which I think uh, is super awesome just because I, I, I don't think that people, um, unless you've been to wrestling shows, really understand. But, you know, the black community has a huge appreciation and a huge love for wrestling in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see that sort of representation, like, right in front of them, live, as they're sitting in their seats, you know, whether young or old, I think is super cool and is super awesome. Yeah, exactly. And then, like you mentioned, the Street Profits are the tag team champions on SmackDown. Or are they on Raw? No, they're on SmackDown. The New Day 
were the Raw Tag Team Champions, but they just lost the titles to the Hurt Business, who are also a group of African-American yeah. men. So, yes, it's not just like, oh, the white guy. So, it's good. <laughs> um, all right, Olivia, your newcomer of the year. So, this one probably isn't going to surprise you. Um, but I think that the best newcomer has to go to Pat McAfee. I loved his storyline with Adam Cole. Um, he is great on the mic and has learned so much in the very short amount of time. Um, my honorable mention is going to go to Dominic, just because I had a really hard time picking between these two. Um, but I think that Pat McAfee kind of leverages as my best newcomer, just because I think it's a little bit easier when you come from a wrestling dynasty family um, to sort of pick up and learn basically your entire life. So it's just like riding a bike, you know, you're never going to forget. Mm -hmm. um, but for somebody who was in another sport for so long to come in and successfully, um, you know, perform in a ring with some of the best is absolutely amazing. Yep, I picked Pat McAfee as well. Wow, uh, okay, for those reasons. okay. I think Dominic could have made a strong case, but he sort of petered out after like a little bit, payback, yeah. And like yeah. he's always been involved in storylines, but it's the stupid Buddy Murphy's gonna marry Aaliyah storyline, which yeah. is just which not is been that sort good. of convoluted, but yeah. You know. <laughs> so you know, it's got to go with Pat McAfee again. Yeah, he had some, he had two fantastic matches that we rated very high. He looked great. Um, he didn't look like... He looked like he'd been in the ring many times before. Yeah, exactly. And, Which is really hard to do. Right. And putting him in the ring twice with Adam Cole was the smartest decision totally. that they made. So, yep. Pat McAfee gets Newcomer of the Year for me as well. Um, little thing to go back to the Tag Team of the Year. So I'm going to include AEW in there, which, of course, I want to. The Young Bucks win the Absolutely. AEW. Absolutely. Yeah, see, that was, <laughs> see, I had such a hard time picking between the Young Bucks and then the Street Profits. And I was like, you know what? I, I've i seen a lot of product from the Street Profits this year, so it's got to go to them. God, could you imagine, like, a match between the Street Profits and the Young Bucks? How amazing that <laughs> would be. Crazy awesome. Uh, that That's the dream match for me that we'll never totally. see unless Vince totally. somehow fucks up the Street Profits. And they're like, we're out of our contract, bitch. And then they go to AEW. But... Man, Young Bucks and Street Profits would be an awesome match. All right, Olivia, we're on to the two, the last two categories. We're doing three best and three worst matches of the year. Now, before yes. we get started, I'm going to leave this up to you. Do we start on a high note and start with the best matches, or do we um, start with the worst matches and end on a high note? No, let's let's end on a high note. Let's okay. go with the worst ones of the year, and then we'll we'll end on a really, really good note, because then after that, we're going to discuss things we want to see in 2021, so I think that we need an upward projection for the rest of the show. Yes, I agree with you. Let me move the microphone a little bit. All right, go ahead. All righty, so um, top three worst matches of the year. So I just want to say that the two worst ones I did give a zero out of five, um, but this third place one is kind of an anomaly, um, but this was a match that you and I just absolutely fucking ripped on, um, and that has to go to Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania, and this is really unfortunate because I think that if we did have the regular WrestleMania show that we were promised pre-COVID, I think that this would have been an amazing match. This might have been I, in the best match category. Exactly, <laughs> and so unfortunately, I think that because everything got changed around, it got split up into two nights. They didn't get to wrestle in the Raymond James Stadium um, with the whole pirate ship and everything. I just think that it, you know, unfortunately, I think that for the mo more seasoned performers, uh, it can be a lot more discouraging than for those who have not either not been to WrestleMania yet um, or this is their first time at WrestleMania. I think that for performers who have been to WrestleMania many times, it's kind of that weird thing where, 
you know, maybe they prepare in a certain way. Um, maybe they maybe they plan the match in a certain way, and then because it didn't work out in the way that it was supposed to, that they had to change everything around. Mm-hmm. And for that, they kind of just, you know, phoned it in. Um, but for those reasons, I think that this match was just really lackluster. I think that we aren't alone in the fact that wrestling fans expected a lot from this match, and we were given very little in return. So for that, that's going to be my third worst match of the year. Okay. So I almost cheated and okay. almost put the first half of the Men's Royal Rumble. Okay. But then I realized, while I hated Brock Lesnar just dominating everyone, I realized how good it made Drew McIntyre look when he finally yes. eliminated him. Yes. And also... It was such a strong elimination. Yes. And the last half of that Rumble was awesome because we got Edge returning. Yeah. Which was easily the best return of this year. Totally, I think yeah. if we had that category, we'd both agree that Edge had the best return of the year. For sure. John Morrison, you're great. You're not Edge. So um, I also picked Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 36. Wow. Because this was the match that I was like, fuck, yes. These two are going to do amazing. It's going to be great. And aside from Kevin Owens jumping off that sign, which was cool and it's something I'd never do, it's just what they did not give a shit. They were like, they phoned it in. And these are two of the best wrestlers in WWE at the moment. So I expected much better from them. The least I talk about it, the happier I'll be because Definitely. I can already feel myself getting red. <laughs> um, so Olivia, you're at number two. Yes. Yeah, so um, these top two, like I said, I gave zero out of five for. Um, and I had a hard time picking between these two, which one was going to be number two and number one. So for number two, um, it goes to Brock Lesnar versus Ricochet at Super Showdown. Um, I gave this match a whopping 0 out of 5, and I hated it so much because it was just a super short squash match, and other than being able to market Brock Lesnar as somebody who was on the card to sell tickets, this match sucked big ol' donkey nuts. Yes, let me um go back to my notes for this match. Um, I put WWE World Heavyweight Championship match, Brock Lesnar champion with Paul Heyman versus Ricochet. Everything to the lead-up to this match, the recap, the entrances, and the promo by Heyman are longer than the match. F5 pin, yeah. Brock Lesnar wins. Yeah. Uh, this is also my number two. So, okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, what, what, what are they doing with Ricochet? I mean, Ricochet is already known like, oh, sign a new contract. And he's like, fuck no. Yeah. Like, why would I do that? You guys have destroyed my credibility here. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, yeah, Someone who had so much potential and so had exhibited so much talent on NXT... Absolutely got ruined once they were put on the main card. An amazing 2018 in NXT. Yeah. An okay 2019 on the main roster, and then a miserable 2020. <laughs> um, Absolutely pathetic. Yeah. So, ugh. Yeah. But, um, but my number one... Olivia, I know what your number one is. Yeah. And so <laughs> I think I gave this a number one just because I think that when it comes to giving out titles, specifically the Universal title, which is supposed to be the championships of championships... I think it's really fucking garbage to throw it in our face and say, you know what, we actually don't fucking care about this belt at all. We just care about selling tickets and, um, you know, the names that we put on the card to sell tickets. And so my number one has to be The Fiend versus Goldberg at Super Showdown. I also gave this a zero out of five because I hated everything about this. Um, and this match was specifically set up to put the Universal title on Goldberg again, and I thought that, that was just garbage as fuck, um, because not only did it sort of, you know, put a little dent in a, it's a little bit of a detriment to 
um, Bray Wyatt's, you know, career and holding the Universal title, um, which doesn't make him look like a strong champion. What the fuck is Goldberg going to do with the Universal title? Like, he can he can perform in the ring for, like, two fucking seconds, and then he's winded. Mm-hmm. And, you know what, I'm just, I'm, like, getting real heated thinking about it, so we're just going to, like, move on and, like, talk about, like, what your number one is. We're not going to move on. Oh, uh, fuck. <laughs> my number one is Bray Wyatt versus Goldberg. God damn it. That super showdown. Let me oh, go through my notes God. again. I pulled them back up. Ready? WWE Universal Championship match. Bray Wyatt champion taking on Bill Goldberg. Spear. Mandible Claw. Spear. 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 Mandible Claw. Jackhammer. Grade 0 out of 5. This match That's what I mean. Why? I, here's the thing. You know, boast about how much, however you want about how many tickets were sold for Super Showdown. If I was somebody who probably spent a lot of money on those tickets, those tickets were definitely not cheap. Mm-hmm. If I was somebody who spent good money on those, being like, oh, dude, not only are we going to probably see Undertaker come out and wrestle, but we're going to see Goldberg wrestle, and we're going to see Brock Lesnar wrestle, you know? I, I mean, not that I'm a huge fan of them, but if I was them, like, you know, I'd be pretty fucking excited. Those are they're, pretty big They're the names. stars of yesteryear. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So they're obviously going to be very excited and anticipate and expect a lot. I would be fucking pissed if I got these... You know, Undertaker obviously didn't even wrestle. Did one choke slam, and that was the fucking end of it. <laughs> but then to see Goldberg and Brock Lesnar both have these piddly ass fucking two minute matches that oh yeah they looked really dominant in. Uh, but how is that entertaining? What's the point of flying there? Thank you. The the, yeah. the flights to Saudi Arabia are not um, short. Yeah, so. not short, not cheap. I mean, yeah, both of them probably got paid a fuck ton. But for what? Right. Well, I love the whole point of putting the belt on Goldberg. And here's why. And I'm saying that very ironically. Because Goldberg winning the championship, they were like, oh, it's to build up Roman Reigns for WrestleMania. How do you have to... Roman Reigns is built up, man. Yeah. Roman, he is Roman Reigns. Reigns. Roman Reigns <laughs> is your top star. Yeah. What do you, he beats Goldberg. Okay. Yeah. And what does that do for him? Exactly. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I think that WWE needs to tread very carefully just because they have some really, really talented people on their roster, mm-hmm. hands down, some of the most talented wrestlers in the world. And I think that they're really putting themselves at a disadvantage by constantly reaching backward and pulling these names of yesteryear because it doesn't do anything for them. Right. Like, you, it, you know, it, like, sure, it might pull in some lay viewers. It might pull in some people who haven't bought the network but are going to buy it or going to, you know, do the free trial just to see these matches. But even when you do, they're still going to be super disappointed with what they have to see. Because yeah. if you're going to put out this piddly fucking, you know, presentation of these two big performers that you think are going to pull in a significant audience, even when they, I don't think they do, but if you project that they're going to pull in the, this amount of people, and then you're going to give us that? Are you fucking kidding me? If I was a lay person who just sort of watched wrestling sometimes and, like, bought into that just so I could see those matches and saw that, I'd be like, you know what? I'm never fucking watching wrestling ever again because that was garbage. Right. And Brock Lesnar is a much better wrestler than Bill Goldberg. I'm going to throw that out there. I agree. Um, I agree. I've heard the argument um, on the internet, like, well, why is it okay for Sting to fucking appear, but Goldberg can't? First off, Sting hasn't done anything. Yeah. He came out, pointed a bat, and then he had an interview on Dynamite. He hasn't wrestled. He hasn't done anything. And the second point is, Sting, while old as fuck, can wrestle. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sting is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And while he is definitely a step behind now, as is Chris Jericho, Chris not, Jericho's never stopped, first Yeah, off. not only that, but I think that it's a very important point to make that you have to realize 
who does it for the cash grab and who does it because they actually love wrestling and are very passionate about it. And Ex so I think that that's a very apples to oranges comparison. Exactly. Like, I love Ric Flair. Anytime Ric Flair appears, I'm like, cool. But if Ric Flair was like, I'm getting back in the ring, woo, I'd be like, please don't. <laughs> please don't. I do not want to see somebody break a hip in the ring. Like, good God. Like, you were not allowed. If Goldberg just came out and, like, speared Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. I want it. That care. would be cool. Plenty. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, cool. Bill Goldberg has got a great spear. Not going to deny about that. It? Yeah. So if he did that, cool. I wouldn't be upset. But, like, you need to. If Bray Wyatt would have won this match, it wouldn't have been so low of a grade because exactly. that would have made Bray Wyatt exactly. look good. So. But to have this, you know, I hate to do this comparison, but this Hulk Hogan type figurehead who only wants to be involved when it makes him look good rather than the company look good. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's fucking bullshit. Yeah. If it's you if you watch the the untold thing on the network about Goldberg's streak, he literally goes, "Oh yeah, I went from football, but I got hurt, so I couldn't do it anymore." And then I talked to Eric Bischoff. And I said, "The only reason, the only way I'll do it is if I never lose." Yeah. You can't. You have never wrestled a match. Who the fuck do you... You're not Hulk Hogan, dude. Like, exactly. As much as I don't really like Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan can say that. And yeah. I'd be like, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> you have not done fucking dick. And then you got... Never mind. We're not going to talk about Goldberg. We'll get to him plenty when we yeah. get to the Oh, 90s. yeah. We'll, we'll have plenty of ranting time. <laughs> I'm so glad we started with this because I want to end, like you said, on a bright yeah, note. Totally. And talk about our three best matches of the year. And I'm totally beaming about these three matches. <laughs> we had the same three worst matches. That's hilarious. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Um, let's go... In the same Wait. order, mind you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right when you started talking, right when you started saying them, I was like, "This is gonna be hilarious." Yeah. But um, all right, Olivia, your top three matches of the year. So I mentioned one of these guys earlier, but my um, I've got a good variety in this. I feel like, but so I'm excited. But my third place has to go to uh, the Tyler Bate versus Jordan Devlin match uh, at NXT Ooh, UK Blackpool nice Two. Pull. I loved this one, um, and I was absolutely beaming about this. I was so enthralled and so entertained with this match. I thought it had and everything from amazing footwork, storytelling, everything. And honestly, any product, any brand would kill to have these two on their roster. Yes. This match was just so cohesive, so explosive. You know, some of the best technical wrestling that I've seen in a long time. And so for that, that's got to go third place. Yeah, and not to mention Tyler Bates, 23. Yeah, and he's exactly. Our, he's this exactly. Su super talented. Yes, you'll see him on my list a little later. Perfect. Um, my number three goes to Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly at NXT UK. Or yeah, why do I keep saying UK? <laughs> NXT Takeover Thirty One. Yes. Um, this was for the NXT Championship, of course, and this match was so hard hitting that Finn Balor broke a rib and Kyle O'Reilly broke his face. Yeah. So you know what's funny is I almost put that on this list. <laughs> I love that match as yeah, well. This match was. Awesome. And it was Kyle O'Reilly getting a chance at the NXT Championship because Adam Cole was kayfabe injured and he won a chance to do it, which I thought was great. You give it to a guy who's a great wrestler who has never got that opportunity. He's known more for tag team wrestling. And I really enjoyed that match. And I hope to see maybe, I mean, God, I hope the Undisputed Era never goes to the main roster. But if they do, God, give this guy the chance to yeah. run <laughs> Like, imagine a match with him and, like, Daniel Bryan. Dude, it would be insane. <laughs> it would be insane. Yeah. So that's my number three. But Olivia, you're number Perfect. two. Perfect. So this one actually might surprise you. Um, this was a match that happened uh, in the latter half of the year. Um, but my number two goes to Kenny Omega versus John Moxley nice. at AEW Winter is Coming. Um, again, some of the best technical wrestling in the industry um, and they also did this amazing incorporation of that amazing technical wrestling uh, and also utilizing the wow factor of big spots to make this match sort of more custom to a sports entertainment product. 
um, because as we know, it's kind of the best of both worlds because you've got Kenny Omega, who is like the king of technical wrestling, and then you've got John Moxley, who is like the king of you know hardcore brawling, um, and then big spots, big hits. Um, so I thought this match was just absolutely explosive and amazing. Yes, um, that's a very good choice. Thank you. So. At the beginning of the show, I mentioned, like, oh, I didn't know we were going to include AEW, so I actually changed one of my matches. Oh, okay, okay. The Finn Balor-Kyle O'Reilly went from two to three. Okay. And I bumped off Roman Reigns and Jey Uso at Clash of Champions. Okay. For reasons that'll kind of give similar to the Kyle O'Reilly-Finn okay. Balor match. So my number two went to uh, the AEW Tag Team Championship match between Adam Page and Kenny Omega taking on the Young Bucks at Revolution this year. Um, in Chicago, which we fucking should have went to, but we couldn't because tickets sold out in like seven seconds. But this match was a perfect tag team match. It was amazing. It was fast paced. It showed four of the best wrestlers on the top of their game. And that match is incredible. I cannot wait to cover the show because holy shit, that the entire show was great, but this match itself was phenomenal. And obviously all four members are part of the elite. Yeah. Formerly known. They were part of the, um, Bullet Club back in Japan. Good God. Uh, super kicks. Like, God, I'm so glad I don't have to do a super kick counter <laughs> this right away because I'd have to pause and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, awesome match. And that's a really good pick. Started kind of, yeah, started the turn of Adam Page and Kenny Omega yes. that we would see later in the year. Great um, pick. All right. Okay, so this one really might surprise you. Um, you know, this year has been, there's been some up and downs as someone who is a huge fan of women's wrestling. Um, I think we saw some of the best presentations of women's wrestling, but then also some not great moments. And so I think that my number one pick is definitely representative of, um, some of the best of the best. Can I and guess? so it's, I don't think you're going to be able to guess this one. I think one. I will. Okay. What, what, what did you guess? I think it's going to be the Dakota Kai taking Knox, taking Knox street fight. How did you guess that? Okay, um, that is my number one pick, um, just because it is the first ever women's street fight. I thought that it was um, really pioneering, but not in a condescending way. And I think that that's something that I really appreciate about the NXT product is that it's not, they don't spoon feed women's wrestling to me. And that is something that I appreciate more than anything as a female watching wrestling, because while 2018 was a fantastic year, for really, you know, pushing the women as some of the best talent, you know, in wrestling, in WWE. I thought it was, you know, very, like I said, condescending at times. Um, I thought that the huge involvement of Stephanie McMahon, again, just was really not needed and really made it more about her rather than the performers. What do you mean? She's um, a former women's champion. Yeah. But <laughs> beside that point, um, I just thought that this, this match itself just embodied women's wrestling and I remember after watching it I was like I don't think that I will be able to see a women's match ever again that's going to top this so for those reasons this is my number one match of the year all right good um this was part of my honorable mentions as well awesome um, which ironically um my honorable mentions were all women's matches it went this one um Asuka and Bailey at SummerSlam and um the TLC match between Io Shirai and Candice LeRae. Yeah, that was, the, that was my a part of my honorable mentions. Yeah, so that match was awesome. But unfortunately, I looked like an asshole by picking all men's matches. It's okay. Right. My number one match is one that I think a lot of people forgot about, and I don't know how you could, because watching this live when we did and then re-watching it, I was still on the edge of my seat, and that was uh, Worlds Collide Mustache Mountain versus DIY. Oh, such a good match. I, oh, my God. Good God. 
everyone, this oh, watch this match if you have the network. It is so good from beginning to end. Seeing DIY back together was so much fun. Mustache Mountain are obviously amazing. And to watch these four guys go 20 minutes nonstop from beginning to end and then having that respect part at the end where they shake hands and hug. Yeah, that was great. This match was just awesome. And there was no feud here. It was just yeah, NXT versus just, NXT UK. Just a great match. Yep. And unlike the Undisputed Imperium match where they attacked each other every week, this one was just like, we're going to go have a match. And that's exactly yeah. what they did. And it was phenomenal. And this was one of those matches that I give a perfect five out of five to. This is not only wrestling, but it's tag team wrestling. Yes. And while Gargano and Ciampa have been decent this year, and obviously Mustache Mountain couldn't wrestle too much because of the NXT embargo and stuff like that, um, this was the peak of both the DIY guys this year. Totally. That's my, totally. That's my number one. Awesome. We I loved some, all your picks. Yeah. I, ha- I only picked matches with uh, people in the crowd, I think. As did... Oh, no. NXT TakeOver 31 didn't have people in the crowd. But whatever. We'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we went through all of our categories except for one. And we're going to talk about the thing we want to see most in 2021. We, of course, have a few things. We're not going to yeah. just leave it down to one. But Absolutely. Okay, what, do you, what do you really want to see in 2021? Okay. So um, I'm going to kind of go out of order in the way in, in which I wrote them. Um, so I'm going to kind of go into my reasonings why after I state them. So my first one being, I really, really want to see less WWE pay-per-views. Um, I think that while it was a really, really smart idea for them to, um, consolidate these pay-per-views and make them dual brand pay-per-views, which thus, uh, you know, in turn, you know, had less pay-per-views over the year. I think that they can, you know, even condense them down even more. Um, I think that there are quite a few pay-per-views that I've mentioned on this podcast this year that are too similar to each other. And I think that if you're going to have a product that consistently has pay-per-views in which they're over three hours, um, can be pretty taxing. Um, and then I think that you can, there's a lot that can be cut out and a lot that can be, um, you know, trimmed from the actual cards themselves. So definitely less WWE pay-per-views. What I liked about, just to kind of piggyback off that, to agree with you, Back in like the new generation and the Attitude Era, yes. they had one per month. So you yes. had 12 pay-per-views a year, which was totally fine, especially because you had to pay 30 bucks for them each Exactly, pop. yeah. And then, um, if so if you did that again and then sprinkled in like four NXT shows, yeah. that would be so good. Yeah. But no, like why did we have SummerSlam and Payback a week apart? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and funny enough that you sort of mentioned them, um, my second point would be I want to see more NXT pay-per-views and not just pay-per-views, but those sort of pseudo pay-per-views. Um, I thought that a couple that I examples that I can name I thought that Halloween Havoc was amazing. I want them to continue to do that. I thought that the In Your House was amazing. I would love for them to continue to do that because it does this, it has this duality to it where it, you know, harps on, you know, wrestling of years past without making it so insufferably pointless. I think that we made that point earlier with the inclusion of you know, Goldberg particularly on the card. I think that, you know, while they try to sort of capitalize on that nostalgia, it's done in a very poor fashion. Mm -hmm. But I think that with the In Your House and the Halloween Havoc um, being reinvented um, and re-presented by NXT, I think it is super creative, super inventive. Um, And I think that all the performers just genuinely love the concept and love the idea. And you can tell that every time they go out into the ring, um, on both of these shows that they're just having fun um, and it's not anything that's too serious. So for those reasons, I would love to see 
more of that. Um, third point being, I would love to see the continuation of these cinematic matches. My worry with the introduction of obviously the COVID vaccine, which is amazing, it's a breakthrough. Um, you're going to, you know, probably later on in 2021 start to see the introduction of crowds again. And my fear is that our cinematic matches are going to kind of get lost in that and are going to kind of be thrown aside. And mm -hmm. I think that some of the stronger points of the WWE product this year um, were definitely the cinematic matches that they introduced. I think that it is, you know, sort of a refreshing nuance to the WWE product where you can get kind of bogged down by the same old matches. I think that cinematic matches definitely revive those um, and have definitely saved some matches uh, because, you know, I don't think that if Undertaker and AJ Styles had a regular type match for the WrestleMania that we had this year, um, I think that nobody would have remembered it. And um, with this being, I guess, you know, probably Undertaker's last year in wrestling, um, I think that that cinematic match definitely encompassed his career um, in a perfect way. And I thought it was super fun and inventive and fun to watch. Mm -hmm. And then my last point being, this is going to be kind of controversial, so stick with me. I want to see more people going to AEW. Specifically, I would love to see Lana go to AEW. And here's why. I think that AEW could definitely benefit from her being added to their roster, not only because their women's roster is not the strongest women's roster in all of wrestling, um, so I think that she could definitely have way more practice in the ring if she were to go to AEW. I think that the women's uh, roster could definitely benefit from her um, talent and her, you know, you know, her being a veteran on the mic. I think that she is incredible in promos. I think she's incredible in storyline. And I think that, um, <laughs> I think that with those two kind of factors, um, with Lana, I think that she could really benefit from going to AEW, and I think that AEW could really benefit um, from bringing her in. So hopefully, um, you know, Lana gets a contract that ends, and I hope to see her go to AEW. That's a good one. Yeah, like thank that. you. Um, I've got a few as well. Of course, safe crop returns is the big one. You kind of touched on that with COVID vaccines, so I would love to see that, but be safe. AEW's done it the right way. They've yeah. made make sure they like check temperatures they make sure that you're not sick they make you wear a mask all that stuff and they have limited people in the crowd but still like that would be good um to see going forward of course um but the big one is just no more nxt fuck-ups because i feel like when you have someone like we've had some great nxt call-ups uh the four horsewomen are the one that come to mind the most like charlotte becky bailey sasha have all been Pretty damn great. Yeah. Um, with some missteps in between, but um, Asuka started out a little weak. Well, strong, then weak, and then has been strong again. Um, of course, the Shield guys were all great, and then you've had um, some other ones that have been very good as well that I'm missing off the top of my head. But then you have some really shitty ones, like when's the last time the Viking Raiders? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Ascension, they were great. Um, Bo Dallas. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura yeah. could be the biggest. <laughs> and even guys like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, while they're up there and they're entertaining, they get like bogged down in these things and then they build back up and then they get bogged down again. Like you just gotta really take care of your NXT people, which is my fear for someone like Rhea Ripley. Please don't ruin that. Um, Shayna Baszler, you've already kind of fucked up. Like why yeah. are you More often than not, they mishandle these people. And I think 
I, I love that point because I think it's really rooted in the fact that they bring up too many people at once. Yeah. And then there's just not room for them on the card to grow because they don't already have plans for them. I think that if they go in and have a plan for them, already have a storyline or two set up for them, that sets them up for success. Right. Um, but again, I agree more often than not, we see failures and mishandling of the NXT biggest talent. one is the tag teams because like your tag team roster is already kind of weak aside from like the three we mentioned earlier. So why aren't you giving the Viking Raiders more time? Yeah. Why did Authors of Pain get mishandled so yeah. much? Why did you break up American Alpha? Yeah. Like, like. Well, why and are I you think I yeah. think it speaks for itself. This obviously didn't happen this year. Um, but if your most notorious points of your Universal title history is the fact that you put it on Finn Balor once he got injured, had to vacate the title, and then he was never given the title again, and he basically mishandled his career from then on for him to have to go back to NXT, I think speaks volumes right. about the way in which they handle NXT yeah. well, talent. Kevin Owens even, who's had a pretty okay year, was just like, I want to go back to NXT. Yeah. And they told him no. <laughs> Aleister Black wanted to go back to NXT. They told him no. Like, Unfortunate. Uh, yeah. So, well, that's it. That was our year awesome. in review of 2020. That I was fun. That. That we was went so fun. for like an hour and a half, so good on us. Yeah. But, uh, Olivia, we will be back right with, uh, God, what are we reviewing? I think we're doing Revolution. So we'll talk about that yes. Young Bucks Hangman page it. match, but do you want to take us home? Yeah, absolutely. Please follow us on Instagram at That's Gotta Be Wrestling. Go ahead and check us out on either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, anywhere where you listen to podcasts. We're most likely on the platform. Go ahead and give us a follow on Spotify. That really helps us out. Go ahead and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That would help us out. Whether you love us, whether you hate us, you know, tell us our opinions are garbage, that they're great. Um, and then also just let us know what you would like to see from us. I think that this was a definite year of learning on how to podcast, but then also um, how to talk about wrestling in a very constructive way. Yeah. Um, so I think that we've hit on a lot of really good points. There's definitely a lot of places that we could continue to improve. Uh, but other than that, I think that that's it. Uh, Tommy, thank you for always talking about wrestling with me of and course. indulging me. Um, I think that it is very fun to have somebody who is just as passionate about wrestling uh, do this with me. I think that this has definitely been one of the high points of my 2020. So as always, thank you. Thank you. Stay safe out there, everyone. We'll be back at the new year with an AEW pay-per-view and we'll go from there. But guys, stay cool.